Welcome back to another episode of Caught Looking at Baseball podcast hosted by myself, Max Greenfield, and my co-host, Ryan Garcia. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. You know, unfortunately for uh, Baker Mayfield Nation, we are not going to the NFC Championship game, but it's okay. Good ride. Um, you know, still has 10 touchdowns to three interceptions in his postseason career, which is, you know, utterly elite. Uh, he's, he is an elite quarterback. It's fine. But we get to talk about baseball. I get to focus on a real sport um, and not, and not you know, NFL, which is not a real sport. There are no, there obviously, you know, my team is the Giants. So, um, you know, it's why I wouldn't even watch. But yeah, no, we get to talk baseball, Hall of Fame stuff, an actually important signing. I know the stove has been brutal this year, but we'll, uh, we'll hopefully predict every single free agent correctly because we've always predicted everything perfectly. That's what we do, Max. That is our specialty. We've never been wrong and we'll continue to never be wrong. Very excited for today's episode. Never wrong, just early. Um, exactly. Uh, I had a, I like opening the pods when we tell like little stories. And I had, I told you this before we started recording, but I think it was funny. Uh, my fiance was coming home from work today. She's a flight attendant. Um, and I was, you know, wanted to be nice because she said she didn't have time to eat lunch and she wasn't sure. So I ended up picking up some Chipotle uh, for her to get lunch. I know people who are listening to this who know me pretty well are going to be like, Max and Chipotle. Yeah, like it was just, it was quick and easy and I didn't have to think about it. Um but for anybody who's ever ordered two things at Chipotle, they'll understand that when you're ordering for yourself and another person, the other person's food becomes the priority. And so I got this dude who's working on both orders and everything. Things are going fine. And then this girl from the back like walks up to the line and my burrito's like almost already made. So I'm focusing on hers. And she just walks up and just puts lettuce on my burrito. I don't get lettuce in my burritos. And I just see her putting the lettuce down and I'm like, guess I'm having lettuce in my burrito today because I was like, you don't make enough for me to be mad at you for this. And this is just a pointless thing to like make you go all the way back and do it all again. So I'm gonna have lettuce in my burrito today. But it was so funny because she looked up and she's like, please don't notice. <laughs> like She looked at me with like eyes that were like, bro, I, I, I messed up, but I don't care. Like, please, please don't say anything. So I didn't say anything. I took it. I ate the burrito with lettuce. And it's fine. It was life. Life goes on. I don't want to be an inconvenience, you know. Like it's just like, eh, whatever. Like it's not that big of a deal. I'll, I'll take it. Um, but yes, as you, as you hinted at in the real, real sport. I'm not a football fan, so I can really say that. Um, that there was an actual. There were two big signings, but one was certainly significantly bigger than the other. But Josh Hader has found a new home or is returning home, depending on how you look at it. He is going back to the Houston Astros and signed a five-year, $95 million deal, which does not beat the total value of Edwin Diaz's contract, but does beat the present value due to the deferrals in Diaz's contract. It's also interesting because there are no opt-outs. It's just five ninety-five straight through, no deferrals or anything like that. Ryan, your thoughts about this deal. Yeah, so look, I actually think, like, if you just simplify it to what the Astros gave him and what Josh Hader is, I actually think it's a good signing. I know people point to the Chapman contract. like, when is paying relievers ever worked? Well, Chapman's original contract was actually really good. Like, it would have gone through from 2017 to 2021. It was a three-year extension on top of that that made it not great. Like they made it that extent. I think they only extended him actually for one more year through 2022. And even then, like, look, it, if you're worst, if like for six years of having a reliever, 
the worst year they have is that 2023 year for Chapman. And the other years you got the product, oh, excuse me, 2022 year for Chapman. Um, you know, if that's the worst year you get, like, that's fine. Like, I don't think that's a disaster of a contract. And had he pitched better in the postseason or had, you know, the Yankees gotten a couple big hits here and there, we'd be saying, oh, look, the Yankees, you know, one of the big reasons why they won the World Series is they had one of the best relievers in baseball, even if it cost an arm and a leg, right? The ends, the, the ends justify the means when you win it all. Like, that's kind of just how baseball is always viewed. In terms of actual, like, you know, production that you got, I think the Chapman deal is fine for the Yankees. And more importantly, you can't really, you can't really, uh, you know, measure relievers based off war. It's more so their win probability added um, because their leverage definitely matters. Like Lucas Litke and Aroldis Chapman in 2022, or not Aroldis Chapman, excuse me, Clay Holmes in 2022, probably put up a similar total of war because Litke was not a, was a pretty good fit guy. But I mean, who's clearly the more valuable reliever? Holmes, he pitched in higher leverage situations. So, um, you know, you're basically saying, all right, we're certifying that if we have a one-run lead, we're going to overperform and we're going to play a lot better in those situations. And I think that's important. But with that being said, when you add the context of the financial situation the Ashes are in, it's certainly perplexing. Now, maybe they believe that they just want to get that last two raw in. They kind of know that maybe Bregman isn't coming back. They might know that Tucker isn't coming back. Maybe they think the only guy they can bring back is Altuve based off of their financial spending patterns and the fact that when their stars ask for a lot of money, they usually don't come back. Um, maybe they know the writing's on the wall and they're just willing to sign, make the hater deal because they don't think it changes their odds of re-signing those other stars or not. But this basically kills their dream of bringing back Bregman and Altuve. And if they bring back one of Bregman and Altuve or both, I mean, Kyle Tucker feels like he's just two of those four, two of those three players feel like a foregone conclusion that they're going to leave. And I think we assume that Altuve is the one that's going to stay. So it just, the long-term, long, the longevity of the Astros, considering they fired a lot of the people who made their farm system great, they've kind of gone towards the wrong direction and process. You're like, this is another reflection of a front office that's taking steps backwards and that's going towards the wrong direction. Not a front office, excuse me, a decision-making situation. Because I think we can both agree, it's not Dana Brown who's like going, I can't wait to give $19 million to a reliever when we don't have Bregman or Tucker signed. But it's going to make them better. I can't be mad at them being better, like from like a, you know, general perspective, but from a, how does it affect them going forward? This has pretty negative ramifications on their ability to bring back some good players. So there's that like Josh Hader's great. Josh Hader's probably the best reliever in baseball. I know that Diaz was the best reliever in baseball before the injury, but I'm going to have to see him after the ACL tear, right? Like that's, I think that that's fair, right? Like I don't think it's unfair to say you didn't pitch all of last year. You don't get to be the best pitcher or at your position and Hader look, he had a bad 2022, but I think we all know that's a fluke. His stuff is unbelievable. There's a reason why his career numbers are great. I know that people cite like, hey, look, the tweets when he was younger are not good. Don't get me wrong. They're horrible. None of it's excusable. But I got to read an, an article from The Athletic. Uh, actually, not when he signed. It was like right around when the whole fuss about his like three out situation with the Padres. I remember I was defending him on Twitter. I was like, hey, like he has every right to say, I'm only going to go for three outs. Like I remember the Brewers used that against him in arbitration when he went more than three outs. And like, he's got to do what's best for himself. I'm sorry. The Padres were not a playoff team. They were not going to make the postseason. He absolutely had to do everything in his power to make himself better financially. And it worked out for him. I read an article for the athletic around the time of, I believe the Jacob Blake shooting um, and, and the protest by the Bucks. I don't think they played a playoff game that day. The Brewers decided to also protest that game, if I'm not mistaken. And Hader, like the, a lot of the, a lot of the quotes in there about Josh Hader, kind of like him trying to understand that conversation more. He's grown up. I think he's grown up. I think he's a more mature guy. I'm not saying I, I don't know the guy. I'm not saying he's a great dude and that he's cleaned of all of his sins. But all I'm saying is I think any off-field issues are overblown at this point. Yeah, when it comes to the 
the situation with the tweets from people I have talked to and I read that athletic article that you're talking about. It seems like Hader had very genuine conversations with his teammates, uh, specifically, you know, black teammates. I remember Lorenzo Kane was a teammate of his when when those tweets came out. And um, Kane was one of the people that was visible when Hader was like making his press conference and almost crying, apologizing for them. And Kane was there um, being supportive. So I'm sure he has grown and learned and, you know, put, he put in the work is what I'd say. It's like, he really tried to get better at that and like know where he went wrong. So, you know, it's Twitter. People are going to hold it against him and social media. That's like just how it works. Like once your name gets floated out and that stuff, like it's just how it goes. Like, you you'll never really fully be free of it even if you like did the right things to be free of it um but hater helps them in 2024 their bullpen like even with hater their bullpen is still like really short on depth like they're one would assume they're not bringing back hector neris stanek or maton now they could bring back stanek and maton because they're pretty cheap and like you know they weren't particularly great, but like they could, they could make them good. They're good with pitchers. Um, so, but they were losing those three and then Kendall Graven is out. Graveman is out for the year with shoulder surgery. So they needed to get a reliever. They, you know, do you need to pay relievers? No, probably not. But like they needed a guy like Hater. They did. It's just the reality is they had two arms in their bullpen. They could trust. Now they have three. <laughs> Does it help that those are three of arguably like the 10 best relievers in baseball? Yeah, (laughs) certainly it's, if you're going to only have three, why not have those three is a pretty good argument. Like I get it, but I mean, listen, Ryan, as you know, like you're going to use 10, 11, maybe even 12 to 15 relievers that are all going to throw like 15 to 20 innings in a year. Like it's just how it goes. Just signing hater you know, prevent them from even getting those guys. Let's not even get to Bregman and Tucker and Altuve. What about just getting additional bullpen help? Does signing Hater prevent that? It might. And in that case, signing Hater is a net negative because, yeah, okay, if you're up after six, you can say the game's over once or twice, you know, a week. Like, they can't do it every single game. They, they the arms would fall off. Like the idea we, you know, the Yankees were th- th- floating with the idea of a Super Bowl pin. And I remember uh, a couple years ago that the Giants tried to do something similar. Um, it doesn't work because you, those guys get tired, right? Like they, the Super Bowl pin only can get you so far. It's why the Rays have never had a ton of postseason success. Their arms are just burned by the end of the year because it's such a long season. So you need depth to get through the season. You need depth to get there. And they don't have that. And if haters going to prevent them from getting, you know, just additional bullpen help, then it's almost certainly going to prevent them from re-signing Bregman and extending Kyle Tucker. Like, I'm pretty confident they'll do whatever it takes to get Jose Altuve back. Like, you could argue he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest player to ever wear that uniform for them. Like, I mean, dude's special for them. And so they might argue that they do whatever it takes. But 
I think it's almost a foregone conclusion that they're not going to re-sign Bregman at this point. I mean, signing Hader probably put the pin in that. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe something changes. But, yeah, I mean, it's – you're right. It makes them better because they needed the help. But does it make them better enough to justify what they're going to lose and what they can add from here on out? That's a legitimate question and one that I'm not certain what the answer is because, man, like, it's still pretty bleak depth-wise for them. And it's not like they got any guys like that are coming up. Like, their their rotation depth is good so they can supplement the bullpen that way, right? Like, Urquidy, Garcia, uh, sorry, uh, Javier, France, like, two of those guys can go to the bullpen and that'll help. But still, I mean, they got to make other moves in that bullpen. They got, they have more work to do. And the question is, does hater prevent them from doing that? I think the answer is yes. And so that's hard for me to like, like if I were grading it, I give us, give it a C. He objectively makes the 2024 team better. But the question is, does he make it better enough to justify not, you know, what looks like potentially not doing anything else. Yeah, so for me at least, like, it's just, as a Yankee fan, like, I see this situation, I'm like, this kind of sucks because it's a, like, you're looking at this one-year window, and for the Yankees at the very least, like, you know, not that they only have one year to be good, but you only get one guaranteed year of Juan Soto. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's kind of, that's that's part of the package, right? Like, that was part of the, the situation there. So I think this does help them a, a lot with the AL. And again, like, they won the World Series, they could stink or they could be mediocre for the next four years. Nobody's going to really care, right? Like, you won the World Series, right? Like, you know, you won the World Series and Josh Hader was, you know, they're going to view it as Josh Hader was the addition, and I just dropped the baseball. Um, Josh Hader was the addition made between the 2023 and the 2024 Astros team. Like, that's just, I'm not saying it's correct. I'm just like. Yeah, I get what wow. you're saying. That's how people just, will view it. Yeah. As you I'm, said, ends justify the means, right? Yeah, and look, uh, I just think the big thing here is that and I think you've talked about this with like the Yankees too, where it's like, it's not that spending money is the problem. We're for spending. We want every team to spend more money. You want to spend when, it smart. Right. It, but not even just that. It's when teams use spending money to not spend money on even better players, right? It's when the Astros say, ah, shit, we paid, you know, Josh Hader. We can't pay Kyle Tucker. It's like, what that hurts. Do you, you know, and it's like that hurts. Like you clearly yeah. need you clearly you, you could just slot Brian Abreu as your closer for the future, sign a bunch of relievers, and just kind of and and, and you know you, they have a surplus of starting pitchers that are like some of them are either too injury prone or just not good enough to be consistent starters. Like, is JP France a consistently great starting pitcher? I think it's I think it's wait and see. I'm gonna give him a, like he was even the underlying metrics are what like kind of average if i'm not mistaken they could be they could be way worse than i remember i think yet. they play up if he's a reliever like right, i think like that I, kind of, or like uh you know uh not christian hobby like a lance mccullers jr i know that he got an extension and like you want him to start but if, if it doesn't work out as a starter you can kind of just he's just an expensive reliever yeah no france could go to the bullpen never mind the strike 17.4 percent yikes yeah. um to that strike rate. <laughs> yeah that's yeah, not good but like you know if he was a reliever like hey how much better would he be how much better would the stuff play right uh, and he's not like on a big contract like i was talking to you about this like nestor cortez where it's like he's not very good next year like and he's he's reliever like he's a he's an arbitration eligible reliever like who cares you know what i mean 
Jose Urquidy is another guy that you could probably, you know, justifiably put him in the bullpen. Um, if you if you felt like France was out pitching him, and I know Urquidy actually made some adjustments, so maybe that's not the smartest of moves. But he does not like he just doesn't have a great track record as a starting pitcher. Like I've never been a fan of his. As, as He's a starter. very good swing man, though. So I yeah. So he did like, dominate in the World Series as a starter a couple of times, though. So. I will say he's a better starter than JP French, probably. Right, like I'd say, I agree with that. And you know, like if he's your, if he's a starter for you, and France is in the bullpen, and then like one of those guys, the guys are gonna get hurt. Verlander's gonna get hurt. Javier might, you know, wear down a little bit. Brown might need to skip a start. Or Key or France may not be built up to go 180 innings a year. Um, you can always swap them back in and out. I know Luis Garcia. That's a tough blow losing him. Um, and then Lance McCullough Jr. You you hope is back early next year, but you have like guys who can go back to the bullpen if need be. Uh, you have, you know, you can always find guys to become relievers for you. I don't mean to like demean the ability to develop relievers, but like, I mean, the Yankees just picked up Ian Hamilton off the street. Like Robert Stevenson was just a random trade the Rays made in May. And we're going to talk, uh, that's why I wanted to throw him in there. Cause you know, nice little segue yeah. option there, but you can kind of just find guys for you. And the ashes of that's what the ashes do at a really good rate. Ryan Presley, lest we forget was just a dude they picked up off the twins one day, you know? Uh, you know, Rafael Montero, I know he was bad this year, but before this was just a dude they claimed off of the Mariners one year. Um, you know, even a guy like Kendall Graveman, he kind of spent his entire career not being very good. And then he just figured it out one day, like that he was a starter for a while with the Oakland Athletics. Seattle brings him in and he just clicks one year. You know, you, you gotta, I think, I think given the Astros situation, look, if they end up paying two, not all three, I understand they're not going to bring all three back. If they sign Altuve and they eventually sign Tucker, this is going to be all fine. But if they don't sign Tucker and they lose Bregman, it's going to be an F. It's going to be an L. And unless they win the World Series, then, you know, who cares? Um, but it's going to look pretty bad. And it's not because – and you can't say it's, you know, uh, hindsight because I think everybody's kind of like, wow, okay, so Tucker isn't coming back. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I, – I think it's a good win move, but it's kind of like a – we know what Jim Crane's going to use this for in about two years, which is, yeah, we tried with Tucker. Now I will say this, Kyle Tucker, like if the New York Mets are going to open their wall at any point in time, which they That's probably the will. Kyle That's Tucker. The guy. That's the guy. Kyle Tucker. I mean, I just, they I should just get both Bregman and Tucker. That'd yeah, be I mean, so I don't funny. know about Bregman just because of like the ballpark. Not going to lie. Like I've always been concerned about that. Um, and like, I don't know, but they don't really have a third baseman. But this is not about, we are talking, well, they did have interest in this guy, y'all. I, wanted, I, need, I need to stick the segue. I, I had the segue and I just whiffed on it. Robert Stevenson's another guy I signed this weekend. And Max, you had a lot of very interesting, we had a lot of very interesting conversations about it. And I want you to take the floor for this. Yeah, I mean, so Stevenson was a guy who got traded to the Rays in midseason, as, as you mentioned. And what the change he made was his slider cutter thing that's like not a, quite a cutter and not quite a slider so it's something in between and i'm not going to call it what people like to call it because it just makes me feel like i need to take a shower um yeah i refuse to say the word yeah like, i'm not, I, even I'm not a, doing like that. i just not happy. i can't do it uh, i can't do it so it was really good he started throwing that thing at like 89 to 91 and i mean the whiff rates on it the, the chase percentage on it i mean every metric you want to look at on that pitch the stuff plus it's all really good. And he put together the highest swinging strike rate in baseball last year. It was one of the best, probably the most underrated reliever in baseball until the market came to be. Um, and then, you know, his market starts to pick up after hater signs and everything like that. Rumors of interest, you know, the Yankees were interested at one point in time. 
Um, the Astros were interested at one point in time, the Rangers as well, um, the Mets as well. And then he signs a three-year, $33 million deal with the Angels. And Ryan, we have discussed the Angels at length on this podcast of not being a team that makes very good decisions. And so in theory, you'd be looking at this and be like, hey, like the Angels are making a pretty good decision. And I would agree with you, except for the fact that I talked to multiple people within the industry that said, yes, it seems like a fluke. And I was like, what do you mean? Because public perception is that he's really good. And that's what I thought. I thought he was really good. Like when he signed with, the, when he got that contract in the back of my head, I was like, man, other teams didn't want to do that. And I had a conversation with a couple of people and they basically just said, and it's true. Command is so fluky in that. Yeah. He doesn't, he has good command and he's always had pretty good command, but like what happens if he just doesn't one day or one year? he still has to be able to throw that slider cutter thing in a spot where people are tempted to swing at it. But what if that pitch moves just a little bit further outside or a little bit further in the zone? What happens? You know, okay. He turns into a guy who's an elite reliever to maybe a good reliever, or he turns into an elite reliever into a bad reliever. Like he doesn't have a ton of track record or success. And I was like, okay, but the stuff's pretty good. And they were like, well, the slider cutter thing is really good. And then the fastball plays up because he doesn't throw it a ton. They said, if he threw that pitch more, people would start to hammer it because it's it, it it's good enough is what they would people were telling me. But he shouldn't throw it more than he than he does. And the rest of the arsenal, a little rough. Like so after that, I was like, okay. So I'm like, am I just wrong? Like, is the public just wrong? Like, you know, our teams, you know, because teams have way more data than we do. Way more. They have way more information. And I wasn't talking to like people that work with the Rockies and stuff like that. I was talking to people who I trust from good teams. Um, and then he signs the contract with the Angels. And now I'm just, I'm so torn. I'm complete. I don't know. Like initially, and I still kind of believe it, despite what people have told me. It's like, I feel like other teams could have matched that. But like, why were several teams not willing to go more than a year or two? What is, what do they know that we don't? And that's, that's always my question on most, most things when it comes to, you know, public versus private and everything like that. What do they know that we don't? But man, with Stevenson, after talking to people, it became really clear. It's like, what do they see? that I can't. I think Stevenson is good. I'm not trying to sit here and say like, oh, I'm just going to trust these people blindly and Stevenson's not that not that good. I think he's good. I just think the question comes, what did they see that made them not willing to go three years? I don't know. Yeah, I just, the thing for me, and 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 this is kind of like, I'm not saying this is always right, but if you're like, damn, why did nobody pay him that money? But And it's the team that he signed with is the Angels. You get concerned. Yeah. Like, look, I know that people are going to say that's not fair to the Angels. I mean, your reputation and your reputation precedes yourself, right? You know, if, um, if I tweeted out this player is signing with the Astros and Jeff Passan tweeted out this player is signing with the Astros, I mean, who the fuck are you going to believe? Respectfully. 
Like th there's, I don't have a track record of reporting. The Angels don't have a track record of spending money wisely. You know what I mean? Your reputation procedures. Do we have any idea? Like Max, before signing becomes official, do you have any way to confirm that Jeff Passan is right? No, no way. You have He's no built way. a reputation for you to trust him. Correct. Right. Like, for, you know, when somebody, when two people tell you something and one of them is a liar and the other one's never, never lies to you, you're going to trust the person who doesn't lie to you. Even if they're saying the same thing, you're going to want to hear it from that person. That's the same with the angels. If the Ray signed him to a three-year, $30 million deal, I'd be like, damn, this sucks. You know what I mean? If the uh, Mets signed him to a three-year, $30 million deal, man, I'd be, I'd be like, you know, the Yankees should have been on that. What the hell are we doing? You know what I mean? Um, because th th those are, those GMs are extremely smart, extremely smart. Um, I I'm not saying the angels are a, are a team that cannot, that are not, I'm not saying they're incapable of, of inte intelligent thought, but more so like, it's just your track record, your, your reputation precedes yourself. And, and ultimately, you know, I would have, I wanted Stevenson and I'm going to be honest with you. Like I, I still very much feel like, I think Stevenson will be a good reliever next year. Um, but like. We we're not looking at just one year of the contract. If one year is good and in year two he's a bum and year three he's DFA worthy, it's a bad contract. Even if you got that one great year from him, you know what I mean? Um, so like I, I don't know. Like I I think that the fact that other teams didn't jump on three for 30 and teams with money to spend and genuine legitimate interest, three years uh, 30 million dollars, my bad. Um at three like there are a lot of teams that didn't want to spend on that did not choose it's to make crazy right like that's that's the part that i can't get over is it's 333 which is pretty like yeah 11 million dollars average annual value for a guy who has the ability to be that good it's pretty reasonable like that's not like it wasn't a contract that was like oh okay that makes sense like, and if the mets match that offer million... let's be real you're going to the mets you're not going to the angels like if a team right. matched the angels offer but a team you know yeah which is like again why? What? Why didn't they? Again, maybe we are being, you know, unfair to the Angels, and they just made a good decision. But when multiple people told me, like, "Yeah, I don't want him on my team for the, his asking price," I was kind of like, "What is happening? Like, what? what Could is this going be an on? Olin Jones situation where, like, damn, the Rockies did something really smart? Sure, but it's again, like, it's." You took a guy with great power and speed tools and put him in core at a rocket of an arm and put him in a big outfield and a hitter-friendly ballpark. And it came from an organization like the, the Guardians who they, like right now in terms of offensive development, you'd be like, yeah. They're not that good at it. Be. Yeah. Right. You'd be they like, made, they've made some poor decisions when it comes exactly. to position players. Yeah, Like they're one of those weird, like they're smart, but you're like, huh, why do you always screw this up? You know what I mean? They're smart. They're... They're super good with pitchers. Yeah. Super good. But even then, there's pitchers don't get swings and misses. So you're kind of like, they're just right. weird. They're kind of, they're they, like two years ago, I thought Cleveland was one of the best ranked teams in the sport. Now I'm kind of like, they're trending in the wrong direction. Yeah. Like, like, like they, would you say the twins? They traded a real human being for Estevan Florial. They traded away Junior Calmanero for to keep a guy on the roster that they ended up cutting in uh, what's his name in Oscar Gonzalez. They didn't even give him a second. They were just like, "Yeah, you were bad this year. We give up. You're done." You know what I mean? Wasn't Oscar Gonzalez just DFA'd by the Yankees too? Yeah. So I think he's. Did he clear? Uh, I think he might have cleared. I don't know. He might clear. Or he he's might a good candidate to clear because he's very bad defensively and he has to hit to float his profile. Yeah, I mean, like, 
they're not super good. With, I mean, they also traded who was it? Will Brennan, right? Yeah, it, that one's kind of rough too. They traded him and Camonero, I believe, because and then Jones. Yeah, and they traded him and Jones directly because they believed in Gonzalez more. And then Camonero was dealt in a deal that obviously is blown up on them. And I will say this: the player they got back for Jones could be pretty good. Juan Brito, like he could end up. Yeah, being he, something. no, he he could be something. Yeah, that, um, that, that trade we have to wait. But I'm just saying, like I like the Rockies like got plus value from that deal. But even then, like you could say, like there's a reason. Like it it doesn't sound too crazy that Nolan Jones popped off in Coors Field. You know what I mean? Where it's like. Why did the Yankees not give him $10 million, $11 million a year? Why did the Mets not give him $11 million a year? Why did the Astros, right? right. They need bullpen help. Why didn't the, like, why didn't, um, like, I, I know why the Padres didn't have money. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, no disrespect. They don't no, yeah, I mean, that's they correct. Yeah. do not have money. And if they're going to spend $11 million, like, you should just try to get one of those experimental starters. Like, try to get Jordan Hicks to start for you or figure something out. Um, no disrespect. I, that's a little, that was an uncalled for shot. But even, like, the Blue Jays, right? Like, they lost Jordan Hicks. That would honestly be sick as hell for them. I'm not saying the Blue Jays are dumb for missing. I think Stevenson, they were right? interested too. Like they're yeah, not like popped up. Low key, like I think one of these like big relievers are just gonna end up like one of those like notable relievers. Like I, I'm not. I wouldn't be shocked if like you know we saw Hector Neris in like Toronto or like Texas. Why didn't Texas sign Robert Stevenson? Another one. Texas would 100 percent would have signed. Okay, but they're still they're interested in Neris, and they're probably gonna get Monty back. So it's like. Clearly, that's have actually, something to that's, spend. That's not as sure as a thing as we want it to be. But like, who, where else is he going to sign? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. His market's kind of like we're talking about the Rangers time. not having money. They don't. They literally don't have a revenue stream, and I bet their offer is better than whatever the Red Sox are going to offer. Like the Red Sox are going to go up there, like, hey man, so we love Dude. you. You know, you're. I know that you're staying in the East Coast. We have a great offer for you: two years, twenty uh, <laughs> twenty million dollars a year. What do you think, champ? <laughs> Dude, the the quotes this weekend because they had like their fan fest thing this weekend, which is objectively good. sick, by the way. I wish the Yankees did that. It's so cool. Yeah, I, like, a lot I'm of so people, jealous. Like I feel like twenty plus teams do it, and the Yankees are like one of the few that they're don't. so lame. I'm sorry, I love the MIT. They're so fucking lame, man. Like do a winter <laughs> weekend, some shit. I, you could let Clayton Beater could be the only guy who they're, shows up for the players. They're do so, something. They're so buttoned up. Like that's the Yankees. It's, it's so like, lame. They're I'm so. Sorry. The, the the business side of the Yankees is so into being the Yankees that they don't actually, like, do the things that make them fun. But, yeah, the quotes from the Red Sox Fan Fest, ooh, man. They were bad. Like, dude, I loved it so much that season tickets, like, you had to renew them by, what was it, like, the 19th of January or, like, 16th of January or something. And then three days later, the owner's like, yeah, we're going to lower payroll. That was so funny. Dude, I, okay. So funny. Respectfully. Awful, awful for the sport. And then so that funny. quote where it's like, if we had league average defense, we would nine, eight to nine games. You have one Good defender. They on traded your for Vaughn Grisham. <laughs> no, That's one. Like I'm not. Look, they could. I, and here's the thing that sucks. I actually think Craig Bressel's a really fucking smart guy. And I actually think in a vacuum, their moves are really good. They, uh, the Mets have not spent a ton of money in this free agent class because this is not a free agent class where you rebuild your entire team through free agency. I actually think that's not a problem. The Red Sox haven't gone gong ho in free agency. This market is ass. I wouldn't pay Blake Snell six years. I don't know if I'd go six years to Monty. This market sucks. I totally get why they're not doing that. But I mean, why say full throttle? Why even go out and say, why <laughs> say it back to that's yeah, so walk good. it back. Number two, 
And then number three, and kind of the big thing here, I'm, they weren't going to get, like, I'm not even going to hold Yamamoto not going. Like, the same way I don't go, the Yankees missed on Yamamoto because they didn't try hard enough. The Red Sox were not getting Yamamoto. I can't hold that against them. I can't. If I can't do it for the Yankees, can't do it for the Red Sox. This was probably a better chance it would have been a Yankee than a Red Sox. So I I, I got to be fair, right? Like, good Lord, nobody? Nobody? Like, Giolito, that's it? You couldn't tri- you couldn't land somebody else? You, you couldn't land anybody else? You got outbid on a one-year deal for Teoscar Hernandez? Dude. You're in a bidding war at the fucking Angels for Adam Duvall? Are you Marcus, serious? Marcus Stroman makes less money than Lucas Giolito. I just, I, I still that's like That's not Giolito. good. I'm going to, I'm going to, I, 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 yeah, I will, we, I will give we it the talked about it. But... I will give it the opportunity to work out before I criticize. That's always been my MO, and that will continue to be my MO. I, I, I will be fair. That's always like, I, I, I want to be fair to them. Um, but at the same time, it's like you couldn't have acquired anybody else, could have acquired any of these relievers. Nothing like I, you shedding payroll. Here's the like, thing about Stevenson, too, is like he's not a bad candidate if you're good with pitchers to like try and work him into a starter. Yeah, not, not, but like he's I got think somebody would have done it if he was because the command's kind of there. Like if you're trying to get experimental, Angels shouldn't do it because they're mm-mm, mm-mm, no, no, no. But like the Red Sox have Andrew Bailey, they also have Kyle Bodie now. Like, dude, they're pitching, dude, their pitching department's like low key loaded. They got some dudes in there that are smart as hell. I agree. The Red Sox are smart. I just like ownership. The issue is more so why yeah, is ownership. ownership like why is Sean and I not a Boston Red Sox? Or like I think Junis will actually end up being a Boston Red Sox. So that's gonna be sick. It's a shame. Should be a Yankee. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. I'd love it. Like I'm I, I told you so the best signing of look, no, I told you about free agent, you know, like super like look, the Brewers, they acquired um whatchamacallum. Oh my god, that lefty that I was telling you about from the Dodgers. How oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. I saw They're that. They're winning the central this year. They're winning the central this year. I'm telling you right now. Nah, that's that's world, not that hard series, to do, man. World Series winners, great organizations make money. The Mets signed Sean Manaya. They'll be making the postseason this year. Great organizations make great moves. You know what I mean? Like big time moves. Look, everyone thinks the offseason's defined by the random dude you sign. Yankee signed brought in Luke Weaver. They're gonna win the AL East because of it. You know what I mean? Like, you know. <laughs> God, I mean, to my be point fair, more so is my the, point the more so is why are the Red Sox the mound. My point more so is why aren't the Red Sox throw either a throwing more flyers for guys that high ha, have high upside? Like, why didn't you sign Frankie Montas? Why didn't you just go fuck it? Like, we just signed yeah. him, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like you need their ownership, as you said. Like, right or, or again, Teoscar Hernandez. If he was looking for a, if he was capable of signing a one year, you could have offered him like four years, sixty million. If you if maybe their evaluation of him wasn't that, but I highly I feel like their evaluation of that, of him could have been that. Give him a club, a player option after like year two, and say, "Hey, if you're really good, you can you can leave, and we'll we'll re up it, we'll revisit that conversation another time." Honestly, I think if you're Hernandez, I think you would have taken that deal over the one year deal with uh with um the Dodgers because absolutely, it's more money guaranteed, right? And you choose when you leave after two years. You're still relatively young enough where you could still get a pretty nice contract, a nice payday, in a more or if you market. stink, you still got two more years of good pay. Yeah, and um, I'm pretty sure the CBA is up during your free agent year so you're gonna have more money to play with most likely um now actually i could work against them but still yeah. my point is they just there there are a lot of guys who are into it they haven't signed like why is like why are they not more aggressive in the market and that's kind of the big thing that like they've they've just done so much good internally where it's like why just just ownership just because i love i like richard fitz i'm very sad because richard fitz is now going to be very good and i'm going to be depressed about it for a while 
Um, but he's my dog, and I'm rooting for him, and I hope he does well. Like I just, I don't know. But where were we all? We were talking about Stevenson, and we went to, we ended up talking about how owners need to spend more. Um, and yeah, John Henry, you're a disgrace to baseball. The AL East is only good when the Red Sox and Yankees are two best teams. Um, I don't believe in these fake rivalries. The Yankees and Toronto Blue Jays are not rivals, all right? The Blue Jays are just trying to start shit. I don't care about them. The Red Sox, that's a rivalry right there, all right? That's that's real baseball, hard-nosed baseball. It's funny because Aaron Boone said the same thing on foul territory the other day. He's like, yeah, it's still with the Red Sox. It's just like the other stuff is just other stuff. Like it's, it's the stuff different. with the Red Sox is always real. Like um, it's different, man. It's just it's yeah. special. Baseball is better when the Red Sox try. That's exactly when they're Baseball's good better when the red sox try it's great and the ballpark i mean god speaking of owners and the red sox and a guy that we mentioned jordan montgomery he's still not signed as mentioned neither is blake snell neither is cody ballinger and neither is matt chapman the four guys who are the biggest players on the market even after hater was gone these are still the four guys uh, that were biggest players in the market and they're all represented by scott boris as we have said so we're going to try and guess where they go for like the hundredth time on this podcast, starting off with Blake Snell. Now, according to Mark Feinstand, the only team to have made an offer to Blake Snell is the New York Yankees, who made an offer at six years, $150 million. And then he turned it down for either not enough uh, average annual value or not enough years. Unknown the reason, but then the Yankees basically just went to Marcus Stroman and signed him. So one would assume that that offer is no longer on the table. So, Ryan, where does Blake Snell go? I believe Blake Snell is going to end up having to take some, like, big-time deal with the Angels. Like, I think they're just going to be like, hey, Blake, here's a ton of money. And Boris is like, yeah, man, um... So there's like no 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 one else is. It's this or you take a short term deal. Yeah, it's like, hey, bud. So uh, do you want to just like sign this? Thanks. Now, could he sign a short term deal? Sure, but I've said this on like Firestone Yankees. It's like, what is he going to do to rebuild his value more than he like? He just won the fucking Cy Young. You know what I mean? It's like, what else are you going to do? And at that point, just take guaranteed money. Pitching injuries are so frequent. Like he is one misthrown changeup away from missing to a year and a half like i don't want to paint a doomsday situation here um but like let's be honest max the fall off of robbie ray like the comparison people have for the signing of blake snell is robbie ray i'm not saying that he's a, the same i think he's a much better pitcher than robbie ray was um but robbie ray would went from like hey this guy might be a top 20 starter in the league to he got traded as a salary dump you know what i mean like because he got hurt that can happen to anybody Right? Like, I, Blake Snell's got to take the guaranteed money. I think that he kind of knows that. He's aware of it. The pitch clock is also shortening. I just don't love the idea of trying to build your value in a one year window where injuries are going to go up again because, again, shorter, slightly shorter pitch clocks. Coming off year, we throw off 480 innings. I know that that's typically like a, okay, he's built up a lot. Well, it also could be some wear and tear. Now, him not pitching in the postseason might be good for him because that means he didn't end up pitching around 200 innings. He saw like Sandy Alcantara. He looked like he got worn down, pitched in the regular season, like 200 innings, then pitched in the World Baseball Classic, then pitched in spring training. Just looked tired all year and then ended up getting uh, elbow surgery and is now out for the year. Alec Manoa looked like he showed up to spring training just like tired. Shape. Yeah, like, look, I- I'm not going to blame the guy for being out of shape. Like, you just exhausted yourself over an entire season. All of a sudden comes around, dude, I, I would 
be sitting back like, man, I got, I'm fucking tired, man. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it's acceptable. I'm not saying that's the expectation of an athlete. I'm just saying it happens. I'm not saying Blake Snell's going to show up out of shape. I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's possible that he could have some wear and tear during the season, right? If that happens, that can happen to anybody. It's not like Alcantara wasn't healthy or wasn't, you know, in his peak shape. Look at the guy. He looks jacked all the time. You know what I mean? Um, I'm just saying injuries are very frequent. I think he ends up taking a secure deal with the Angels. Do I think he's assigned like a short term to the Yankees? Absolutely not. The Yankees did not sign Marcus Stroman because they were bored and they were like, I guess Snell's going to get a sign. Hey, Stroman, what do you think? They're like, hey, okay, you're not taking that offer, Snell? Going to uh, uh, Stroman. They're not upping their offer from $150 million. The offer is likely off the table. Legally speaking, when an offer is rejected by one party, the offer no longer exists. You have to remake the other offer. So, no, he can't just say, hey, guys, sorry, can I take that $150 million deal that was on the table? Can't do that. The offer is no longer on the table because he rejected it. That's how I, I, I don't know why I saw people saying, well, that offer's still on the table then. No, he rejected no. it. Like, that's not how offer, like, that's not legal. Like, that doesn't make any sense. But, anyways, yeah, he's an angel. I agree. I think it's just they're the only team that's going to be willing to take the chance because, I mean, it's the angels for one. And two, I just, there's no incentive for him to take a short term deal that basically is like a bet on yourself type contract. There's just no reason for him to do that. I mean, he's, yeah, he's got to go for security. He's a very volatile pitcher. Um, so I agree with you. I think, I think it's the angels for all the reasons that you said that he's just going to take the security. There are rumors that, you know, the angels are not a preferred destination for him. Makes sense. Um, we're really ragging on the angels a lot, man. Like it's, 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 it's maybe I should they deserve it. Remember, or like one of the first things we talked about on the podcast was them deciding to buy the deadline and then DFAing everybody. They're like, I, they're so like, I, I, I've cursed a lot on this podcast. I'm trying actively not to, but God, they're so stupid. Like, it's incredible. It's incredible. Like they really, like, I, I don't even. It would be funny signing Robert Stevenson and then signing Blake Snell. It'd just be like, okay. It I would just really, be like, I would I really don't like that Stevenson signing anymore. And they're apparently in on Bellinger. They're apparently in on Bellinger. Of course they're apparently in on Bellinger. You know what I mean? Of course they are. Like they're just Marty Marino, baby. Yeah. It's just... uh, speaking speaking of Bellinger, uh, the, his market is, I mean, if you want to talk about Baron, man, that's barren at this point people are just like he's gonna go back to the cubs right like they it's just no other option i mean there are some rumors you know the cubs had their fan fest and everything last week and they were a lot of people like bring back cody bellinger bring back cody bellinger and listen i'm not saying that bellinger wouldn't work he did it once there doesn't mean he can't do it again i think the thing about like these top end free agents left is just, man, they have serious question marks. Um, with that said though, I do think Bellinger goes back to the Cubs. Yeah. I think he's a Cub um, because I'm picking Blake Snell to go to the angels. I think Cody Bellinger will go back to the Cubs. And um, if he doesn't, I just don't know where he'd go. I like I thought like... San Francisco, but it sounds like they're not that interested. They yeah, should be in place now though. I think they were in on Jung Hoo Lee and they were like, all right, we got Lee. That's our center fielder. We, we're not going out and getting Bellinger. And look, you could argue that Lee's contract may age worse than Bellinger's because he is also an unknown. But clearly they did, they were the team that did the most scouting on him. Remember when Steven came on and telling me they, they were just like a hawk, right? Like they were 
they were the team that did the most scouting. They're not a team that likes to overpay. So it's not like they're a team that they're not a t- like they're track again, their track record precedes itself. If the Angels gave them that contract, I'd feel different. Like I- I'm I'm sorry. It's just the Giants. The Giants, I, I think that you could argue they could were you desperate. Imagine if you went to the Rockies, though. Dude, that'd be fun. Honestly, it'd be stupid. It'd be fun. It would have been See, I, I think San Francisco is also a good park for Jung Huli. Great athlete. I agree. have an opportunity to kind of spray the ball everywhere. But anyways, back to Bellinger. Tiggy's a cub. Gives them an opportunity to kind of like figure out if they are. Like, I think Bush is their first baseman. I guess they that would require them. You could say like their DH spot's a little bit of a question It'll, mark. You know what allows them to do if PCA can hit? Yeah, I have some. I've seen like you know Baseball America and Baseball Prospectus came out with their top 100s and everything. And those you know shout out Jared Sider who was on this podcast, the Robert Orr as well. Um, but like and those guys do great work both both sites and everything. Sorry, I got Hank trying to play with my foot down here. Uh, oh, but hey, hey, look, he gets it too. He know he he gets. It. He's like, dude, the Angels, man. What are we doing? What are we, yeah, what are we doing? He's, he's getting he's getting agitated by the Angels. But uh, I think getting Bellinger allows you to kind of like if PCA can't hit, and there are legitimate concerns there, despite how unbelievable he probably is in the outfield. Like he's really good out there. But, you know, he's got some concerns about whether or not the guy can hit. You can use PCA's trade bait to, you know, go get Dylan Cease. Right? Like, I mean, if you think Bellinger's good enough and PCA is, you know, you're not sure about his ability to hit, all right, flow PCA and Dylan Cease deal. I think it's some insurance in that regard. And, again, I'm not even the big, like, I'm not a huge Bellinger guy. There are so many concerns. Like, I was genuinely so happy when the A's said that they were not interested in Bellinger. I was like, let's go. Um, but I think for the Cubs, it allows them to, you know, take a little bit of chance. And at this point, I think Bellinger's just kind of got to take whatever he can get. I mean, if the Cubs aren't giving it to him, then, man, as you, like, it's rough. And what I would do if I signed Bellinger is so I think you put you put him in center, obviously. Um, you I don't know if Talkman starts in like anywhere. Like Talkman probably sits down on the bench. Um yeah, he's the fourth. Put Morrell at second, put uh Horner at third with Shits Madrigal. And that's a really good lineup, actually. Like you have I don't know, they probably like do they lead off who do they lead off? I think they lead off Swanson usually, right? Is that not their go-to leadoff guy? I think that is right. Probably go Swanson, uh, Bellinger, like Suzuki, Hap. Horner. I think they had they had Horner or Hap lead off every now and again. Okay, you could do Hap. Uh, Hap like Suzuki was pretty good offensively last year. Uh, Bellinger, uh, you know, you kind of get the drift here. You have yeah, the, the, hit. Listen, if you get Bellinger, the lineup's pretty deep. Like, yeah, it just it lacks a star, but like that's fine. It's a lot right. of good hitters. And also you got you got nine goddamn top 100 prospects according to baseball perspectives. Like you can go out and trade for a star. Like you yeah, can make a just, deal. Or, you know, if you if you want, like, yeah, you can go out and kind of pack it. Like you have a lot of like defense first infielders. You could maybe improve off of Morel. Like you'd say, all right, try to figure out a way. I think Morel would be fine at second base. I think you could float his value there. It's interesting that they were trying really hard to trade him. I think that was intentional. I think they know that his entire value floats on his bat. He's a good base runner. He's not like a slow guy. So he's he's weird. Like he's so weird because he's not like a slow, sluggish DH. He's just a young, he's a young athletic player who just can't play any position. Yeah, other than like second field. base. Don't play second base well. Like second base has always been a nice position for him, but even then it's like okay, not great. 
it's just like, hey, he won't be the worst player ever out there. Yeah, he's it's... literally horrible everywhere else. It's impressive, honestly. Bellinger, Bellinger gives the Cubs insurance, which I think is is good. Also, Bush uh, doesn't work out. Yeah, which that's a real legitimate concern. Like, you yeah, gotta, you, know. you got some concern. Yeah, it, it, it's insurance, which is nice. It's just how expensive that insurance is. Is you know something you have to consider. Um, moving on to Jordan Montgomery. I mean, as you hinted at, like the expectation is he goes back to Texas, but Texas, I mean, they, the ruling with the Bali sports just came out and everything. Uh, Amazon is also buying it. And, uh, but the revenue stream for them is not good. So there are some concerns if they even have the money, but I mean, the rest of the league is just taking Montgomery in this sense of like, Oh yeah. I mean, he's, he wants to go back to Texas as he should. He won a world series there. Like, why wouldn't he want to go back there um, and taxes and stuff like that and financial reasons and everything. Um, I agree. I still think he ends up there, but I mean, it's the money's got to come from somewhere and Texas is kind of like reeling in that regard. Yeah. I think he ends up in Texas. I, I think they'll figure it out. They haven't really spent money this winter. It's not like, it's like, you know, they spent a ton of money everywhere. I think that he'll end up signing like a $150 million deal over six years. Yeah, the Blake Snell offer, the one that the Yankees made for him. That's what the one the Rangers are going to give him. Maybe there's some incentives in there. I don't know. It's also all tax-free. so like It might, it might be deferred, too. Yeah, so, like, in the situation where if he got, like, a $160 million offer from, like, the Red Sox and, like, 155 from the Rangers, you're going to take the 155 because it's you end up seeing more of the money. Um, and, and, yeah, so you're, you, you do that. Like, that's that's what the – that's what I imagine um, – they have a financial advantage over everybody. They have the, um, whatchamacallit, they have the player preference advantage. Usually that ends up with you ending up with a player. Like how many times has a team had like, hey, we don't have taxes and you want to be here and they don't end up getting the guy. It's very rare. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think he goes back. It's just, he's the simplest one here. Uh, the last one is Matt Chapman, um, who... This is kind of weird because the only team I've really read about any interest there is the Giants. And it makes sense. Like, Giants make a lot of sense for Matt Chapman. Uh, but just all these guys, they have, like, one obvious team. And then the rest is just like, oh, okay. No idea. Chapman's no different. Yeah, he's going to be a Giant. That's I think so, too. Yeah. I think they give him, like, a four-year, 110, or, like, maybe a five-year, $120 million deal or something like that. Again, another guy where I'm just like, it just makes sense. They need a third baseman. Allows J.D. Davis to be a bench, bat, D.H., pinch hit option. It just makes them better. Also, Bob Melvin. Like, you have the Bob Melvin yeah. connection there. Back in the Bay Area where he was very good in Oakland and everything. Uh, you know, Chapman's just kind of like, I can use this as a segue into our seam-shifted takes, baby. They're back. But I gave my own seam-shifted take on Twitter, and it's that a lot of concerns about like MLB free agency has, have come up of like, Oh, there's too much time and everything like that. They need to work on the off season, get a signing period. Not that I disagree with that, but I just think, as you mentioned, this class is just not very good. Like teams, you think, remember when free agency started and everyone's like, I don't want, like, I want Blake Snell to get paid, but I don't want my team to pay him. I don't, I want Cody Bellinger to get paid, but I don't want my team to pay him. And you notice how they kept saying that about, Pretty much every player that was named not named Shohei Otani and Yoshinobu Yamamoto, it was every single guy was like, ah, I hope he gets picked. Maybe Aaron Nola too, right? Like, 
I hope that guy gets paid, but not on my team. Teams know that too. Like the, the concerns that exist for the player do not exist in one team. The concerns that the Yankees had about Cody Bellinger, those are the concerns of every team in baseball, except for maybe like three. Like that's the reality. It's just, it was not a good free agent class, as he said. Yeah, and like end of the day, uh, look, I will say this. I actually think that like Matt Chapman's the most underrated player in baseball. Everyone thinks he's bad and he's legitimately like he is objectively he's good. good. He's good. He's not just good. He has never been bad at baseball in his life. Like he has never had a below average season. People think that, like, look, I know he slumped in the second half, but it's not like he was a bad defense. Like he was an 84 WRC plus hitter after April. And he was also a great defensive player. Like he is, he was probably a league average player with that stretch. Like his slumps are, yeah, I'm a league average player. He is like, I have no idea why people think he's bad at baseball. I understand he's inconsistent, but he's because when those months were going bad, they're going really bad. I understand. But like, again, like, it's not like, like his glove is elite. Like he plays great defense. He's going to still put up a positive war value when he's not hitting. Like I just, I'm not saying people are stupid. Actually, that's exactly what I'm saying. People are stupid. I have no idea how people think he's bad at baseball. Like, you are wrong if you think he's bad at baseball. He is literally good at baseball. I I just not sure if I give him five years. Because if you're banking on athleticism, you're like, hey, I'm playing, paying a guy because of their defensive value, which is what you're paying Matt Chapman for. Yeah. Not sure that's going to age well. But what I will say is Matt Chapman, if you – Matty Ice, if you, you want to win a World Series title – uh, just, just take it. <laughs> yeah, they're Please. they're not gonna do that. No, he's not gonna come here. But our, our speaking of the New York Yankees, our first seam shifted take comes from friend of the pod at Glabe Ruth. Julian says Judge leadoff, Juan Soto second. Hashtag seam shifted takes. Uh, Aaron Boone said that he probably slotting Soto in the two spot and Judge in the three spot. I would love for like against lefties, Judge to lead off, Soto hit second, and against righties, Soto to lead off and Judge to hit second. They're not going to do that. And honestly, like, I don't blame them. He's Boone said that right now, you know, LeMahieu's probably going to lead off, but he might see Verdugo in there as well. Um, you know, I think the Yankees kind of hope Volpe takes over at some point, but I like the take. I don't think Judge should ever hit in front of Soto unless it's against the lefty, in which case it's just like, oh, just open with a righty just to make the pitcher uncomfortable. Like, but lineup construction it don't matter that much. It's not that important. It's, it's like way overrated. Yeah. Personally, the way I view it is if you want, if you want for the New York Yankees to have like the most run production, it's going to be marginal. Like the difference between like, it's very marginal usually, but Soto hitting first and judging second for me makes the most sense because yeah, you get the guy with the career on higher on base percentage hitting in front of the guy who, it's a lot of home runs. And not even just that, but if you look at starting pitching walk rates, command like command is typically less sharp in the first inning. The walk rates for starting pitchers are highest in the first inning compared to any other inning in the game. That pitchers are going to make mistakes in the first inning. Pitchers are going to... A pitcher is going to have to be sharp in the first inning. They're going to have to be ultra prepared in that first inning. And I'm not saying that you're going to get a guy... like You're not going to get Justin Verlander to try to throw 98 and blow out his arm in the first inning. But you're gonna get a young pitcher to maybe do that. You're gonna make a you know you might get a young pitcher to go not blow out his arm. I'm not saying let them get hurt. That's I'm saying like they're less 
they're they have less less control down yeah like they're more worn down towards like the fifth inning or they don't have that 98 to go to in the fifth inning or the sixth inning and, and that kind of matters yeah, and also managing I want, adrenaline right i want juan soto and aaron judge to get as many play appearances as possible and just imagine being like imagine opening a game and you're like all right first game of the year not you know getting a feel for everything it's like all right now don't walk juan soto because if you walk juan soto aaron judge is coming up or it's like hey but don't give Juan Soto something hittable. Don't walk him, but nothing hittable. Like, he's a great hitter as well. Good luck. And then for Aaron Judge, it's like he doesn't – Like I know people are going to say, well, Aaron Judge is not going to get pitches to hit. He never gets pitches to hit. And he still is the best home run hitter in baseball. Like Still the best live. hitter in baseball. Yeah, like he'll live. He's been doing it. Like he's been hitting in front of hitters worse than his entire career. And he's been perfectly fine. But Juan Soto hitting in front of Judge, he might get more pitches to hit, which might be good for his power numbers. And like – Again, like I just, it's not not gonna. Lie. I I'm not saying you know grown ass men are gonna shit their pants, but what I am saying is they would metaphorically shit their pants. That that's what it's, it's a little intimidating, dude. The Yankees lineup. I was looking. I was, I was seeing a mock of it the other day after that Boone thing, and it was like Lemayhew, Soto, Judge, Rizzo, uh, Torres, Wells, uh, Stanton, Volpe, Verdugo, or something like that. And I was kind of like, damn. It'd probably be Verdugo six, Stan seven, Wells eight, Volpe nine. I mean, like if you if you believe in the Rizzo bounce back, and I do, it's pretty damn good. It's a pretty good lineup. Like <laughs> that that team can hit. Um, another take from at Ryan Jack NYY. We're gonna have a lot of Yankees takes on this seam shifted takes edition. Um, but he said MLB level take: Austin Wells is a top ten catcher in baseball, mashes twenty homers. MILB level take, uh, or sorry, minor league baseball take, Roderick Arias and George Lombard Jr. both progressed from low A to at least high A, possibly double A. Hall of Fame take, uh, we have five Hall of Famers get in. Um, I really like the first one. I think the second one's probably pretty possible. Third one, don't think so. Yeah, so I'm going to say Wells will not be a top 10 catcher because I, I think, I, I'm not saying... He's not good. What I'm saying is... I just I'm don't know gonna, if he'll play enough. Right. That's number one. Number two, I'm always going to be naturally just... Just naturally going to like kind of say there's a wide range of outcomes here. So I'm not going to immediately be like, all right, he's going to go off next year. Like, it's a, like I don't want to put that pressure on him. Um, now, as for Arias and Lombard, I think no to double A, yes to high A. I will... I'm very confident at least one of those two will get there. Here's what I think. Lombard will get promoted before Arias will. I agree. I think Lombard's a better prospect. I think he is a better prospect. He's, I agree. He's I'm... really good. Yeah. Um, and then for the Hall of Fame take, yeah, I don't think five are getting in. Unfortunately, no. five are not getting in. Like, it's not... I think we're probably going to get... Probably going to get four, right? Four is probably the number we'll, looking we'll, at. We'll, we'll get yeah. there. Yeah. At Yankee Finals, uh, this one's going to be near and dear to your heart. People who tell you that you shouldn't trust projection systems should have to do their own projections. If their own projections do not beat the average performance of some combination of Steamer, Zips, Pakoda, they should have to delete their account. I know that you're, yeah, you're going crazy with it right now. You're a big fan of that take. Um, yeah. I, yeah. You, listen, if you don't like projections, I'm not saying you're wrong for disliking projections. They're projections. They're they're just educated guesses. Like if you want to be mean, right? Like they're educated guesses, but still, if you don't like them, you got to come in with your own thing. Um, like you got to have some substance to back it up. Do projections account for everything? No, but that's not their job. They're not supposed to. So it's tough, but 
I don't think you should delete your account though. That seems a little that seems a little harsh. I like I just here's my thing. Everyone is like these projections are dumb, and it's not even a matter of the projections in its of itself. It's do you know how how extensive your background in 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 statistics and data models a lot shit has to be to just build a model of being as notable as Picota or Zips. Yeah, scared. you gotta be a smart and hardworking person, man. Right, like it is so insulting to see some like eighteen year old on Twitter talk about how oh, I mean, like who I I don't care about projections. I they're so dumb and stupid and they're never right. It's like, all right, dude, come up with something better. Because because I how you want, are you? you want, do you want projections that bat a thousand? Because uh, nothing. That's not happening. Like, yeah. and it's not like we don't have public data. Like, if you look at Zips, for example, Zips has some really good, like, the performance, the track record is really good. And the, it's not like they're just be- going all willy-nilly going like, <laughs> we should build a projection model that favors power hitters. That'd be fun. They're kind of like, all right, what do teams value? They probably have some, they probably have spoken to people who have built projection models for teams in the industry. Probably communicate to people um, who, who build models for teams and projection systems and pick things that they can you know pick kind of like the core thing that they project for that what how do they factor in for age how do they factor in for injury those kinds of things uh you know uh ballpark park factor like how do we adjust for these things how do we properly do it and of course the idea of what the projection is saying it's not saying like blake snell will have a 3-8 era this year for sure it's saying blake snell's meeting outcomes a 3-8 era he is just as likely to pitch he is as likely to have an ERA above it as he is to have an ERA below it. Yep. You know what I mean? It's all That's it's all it is. And it's... end of the day, you can take a conglomerate of these systems and kind of look at which what they're saying. And usually, yeah, they're going to disagree on some players. They're not going to always be in line. But they're going to, for the most part, kind of project, for the most part, similar things, right? Yeah. Judge is going to hit in, be in the top two in projected home runs. Acuna will be in the top five in war. Garrett Cole will finish with like the tenth mo- ten- top ten in strikeouts. Um, you know, I, like stuff like that. Uh, or, or like you know, Rafael Devers will pro- typically project to have more home runs than most third basemen. That's those are things that just kind of make sense, right? Juan Soto will project to have a high on base percentage. Freddie Freeman will project to to not strike out a lot. Mookie Betts will project to hit really well. Those are typical general rules of thumb. You know, like I, you're not, but you're not going to see. But but those, these models, like they're they're well built built by really smart people, built by very reputable websites as well. Like, these guys are getting input from people that give them information and give them, you know, perspectives that you just can't find on Twitter or through your quote-unquote own research. You know what I mean? And, I, you know, when people are like, well, I predict for something different. Yeah, you're taking an educated guess. You're not looking at any – you're looking at your own opinion of statistical models. You know what I mean? Um, nobody knows what makes for a good statistical model. You know what I mean? Like nobody's going to truly like until not that nobody knows what makes for a good statistical model, but like all models are bad. Some are useful. Right. And, and then on top of that too, it's like, I, if you're using your own subjective view of, all right, how much should I factor a 2023 performance? You know what I mean? Like you're just guessing you're, you're just guessing. You're just fucking guessing. Should we, should we say that guessing is better than projections? Like, come on, let's be an adult about this. You know what I mean? Like, come on. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, no, Yankee. I know it's Yankees Files to put this out too. Yankees Files, I love you guys, and you're completely correct on this. And yes, delete your account. You have to delete your account. I agree. Uh, another one from at Yankees Gabba Gab, uh, Chris Northrup 
Volpe in 2024, 238, 317, 420, 24 stolen bases, 21 home runs. This is like a basically just like a slight improvement from 2023. I don't think this is like, I don't think that's unrealistic. I think that's like pretty close to the median outcome for Anthony Volpe. Like, I don't, is that a bad year? I mean, it's a 737 OPS. So he's probably at like 100 WRC plus. I mean, it's progression forward. That's good. And with his defense and his base running, like you would probably say that's a three to three and a half win player. Objectively good. So I don't hate that take. I think that's actually like pretty close to what you can expect. Yeah. What I would say is if Anthony Volpe has a 100 or better WRC plus, he will be a successful major league player. Um, He was a league average player last year on pretty poor hitting. Um, Like, among qualified hitters, pretty sure is one of like the 15 worst, right? Um, if he is suddenly an average hitter, probably gonna probably gonna put up three and a half war. And I know people are gonna say, well, it's not good enough. And and look, I don't know if it's good enough, but if I convert like the 30th overall pick into a three war player, I'd consider that a fucking win. Um any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, like I, I uh I don't like I, I don't I, I don't know why people like I saw it on Twitter where it's like somebody was saying he was hyped up like a Tatis or that no, he was not like Anthony Volpe is it like Jason? He was a Dominguez top was a ten machine. prospect. Yes. Yeah, Jason like, Dominguez was a hype machine. Like, I, don't get me wrong, he is certainly a hype machine, and I will understand, even though it was unreasonable, why people have high aspirations and want, you know what I mean, like want him to become yeah, a superstar. This, I understand that. The skill set is pretty crazy, but it's with yeah. Volpe. It was always like, yeah, he's probably a slightly above average hitter with a good glove and a good base runner. He's you know, three and a half to four wins is like a good outcome for him. Yeah, like, a and that's that makes you a top 10 prospect. Like, if your good outcome is a four win player, you're a top 10 prospect because the bottom half of the top 100 prospects, their good outcome is just playing. Yeah, like, you find, like, as this is, this is like, I, I want to kind of scale it. Johnny Brito is an overwhelming success because you converted an international free agent signing that wasn't a massive one into a guy who played for you and had positive war. He has immediately overcome the median outcome for a for a international free agent. For example, um, entering the year, Anthony Volpe had on Fangraphs a 60 FB grade on Fangraphs. Now, he was 11th. You could argue, okay, was he like, could he have been close to a 55? Like Marcelo Meyer was a 55. Could you argue he was like, Volpe was a 55? Sure. Right. Like you're talking half a standard deviation. If you're within half a standard deviation of a prospect grade for Volpe, probably in the the right range. 55 is two and a half to 3.3 war. 60 is 3.4 to 4.9 war. If you put up a three war year, you're kind of in between there, right? You're kind of in between that, you know, 55 to 60 FD prospect. It's a good outcome. That's a good outcome. Damn good outcome. There was only there were no prospects on Fangraphs last year entering the year that were got 70 FD grades. All of them capped out at 65. Yep. So that means that the average projecting for them, they feel like they're no better than like a 4.9 war player. Now, guys like Carroll have overperformed that mark. Guys like uh, you know, you expect a guy like uh Jackson Holiday to maybe overperform his 60 grade. Now there are guys who took a step back from that number, like Jordan Walker was not a 60 FD prospect last year in terms of war value. Volpe wasn't either. Maybe they can take that step forward. Who knows? Um, but again, like three-war player, if I get a three-war shortstop, especially considering the Yankees shortstop problems since Jeter retired, to win. To win. Uh, we have one more Yankee Finals take, and it's just that Andy Pettit is a Hall of Famer. 
we spoke about length when we did our Hall of Fame episode, but yeah, we were in agreement. Andy Pettit is like, we'd vote for him. Um, yeah. He's not going to get in. And as we said on the episode, it's basically just because he did PEDs. That's the only reason that people like, like they leave him off because he did PEDs. And then they're like, eh, whatever. Like even guys who were like, vote for guys who did yeah. PEDs are kind of like, eh, you know, would I vote for him if he didn't do it? And some of them are like, They'll come up with reasons, but the reality is, is because of the PEDs, he's not getting in. Because if he didn't, I think he already would have gotten in. And there are multiple guys with PEDs who are in the Hall of Fame. Just want to clarify yeah. that. Yeah, you know, it's like, again not voting for somebody because they did PEDs is stupid. Um, but our last take, which kind of will segue into the end of the podcast, it comes from at Exploring Baseball History at Bball Hist, who's actually a really great account uh, for all things like baseball history and everything like that. Um, seems like a really good guy but he said my quick take is that there are 12 deserving guys on the ballot about three to four more than that aren't egregious and none of them are billy wagner still getting three to four elected would free up votes for future years shame that sheffield is unlikely to get in he deserves it and the era committees are stacked there's a lot to take in here ryan but i'm gonna start off with the 12 deserving guys and about three to four more that aren't egregious think that's roughly correct i think you could justify a vote for m- more than 10 people on this ballot for sure absolutely 100 like i i think that you know people are gonna say people are gonna say well we want a smaller hall well the hall is smaller than it's ever been and it's been trending in that direction since the inception of the hall of fame god did you see that guy said he'd only vote for three people yeah he was like i'd only vote for <sighs> Again, like, look, and I, I don't want to, I'm not calling out anybody in particular, but I will say this. I know that people have tweeted out that it would be amoral or unreasonable to suggest that we should ban voters based on their decisions. And I'm here to say, as a rational person who believes that rationality should come over emotions, that's bullshit. We didn't do, we need to, we need to ban as many of these people as possible. Good fucking one of these guys even know that Gary Sheffield was on his last year of eligibility. Good boy. I only vote for three people. Go got light. Hobby. I mean, oh my god, the conceitedness. The we can't we can't let them base on decisions. We have data that can tell us if people are voting and their votes are bad. We can prove these things. Why do we have to act like everybody's opinions equal and everybody's allowed to have an opinion when it comes to all thing? Oh, the standard of a Hall of Famer needs to be a great player. The standard of a fucking voter should be a great voter. It should be a great baseball mind. I want Eno Sars voting for the Hall of Fame. I don't want a he guy. Does. He does. He does vote. I know, but my point is, I need, like, the guys who I want voting for the Hall of Fame, I need it to be smart people. I need it to be people who I can trust to make good baseball decisions. Because if we want this to be a truly, truly, I mean, a, 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 a coronation of the greatest players in MLB history, we should not let people who are stupider than me vote. Like, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'd make for a good Hall of Fame voter. So why should people who are, I think, less competent than myself vote? I'm sorry. I just these people don't know baseball. A lot of these people don't know baseball. I'm sorry. A lot of these people have the and at best rudimentary understanding of the game, not even statistics of the game. Oh, but we need different. Like it's it's skewered towards an older age as well. So we're talking a demographic of people who are less likely to be open to changing their way they vote and evolve as the game evolves. 
These are inherently bad voting groups. These are just, they're not good at their job. And another thing too, I'm not saying that players would make for better voters than voters. Because let's be real here. There's a track record of players saying things that just don't make sense, right? Uh, Players don't always end up being the smartest. But with that being said, I think they have a legitimate gripe with the fact that, I mean, come on, these writers don't know what they're doing a lot of the time. I mean, look, you were okay with steroids when you were picking guys to go to, to win the MVP, but you're certainly not okay with steroids when it comes to the Hall of Fame. Like, I mean, you got to pick one side or the other. You know what I mean? In my opinion. Now, you don't have to vote steroid guys in. I don't think they all deserve to be in. I don't think A-Rod should be in. I've told you that. I don't think he should be in. Suspended. I'm sorry. I love A-Rod. Jersey's hanging over there. I love the guy. Shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. But come on, we need some form of consistency here. I, I just, I mean, look at this ballot. Like, I, there is a good chance that the guy who didn't know that Gary Sheffield was on his last year of eligibility costs him the Hall of Fame. And I'm not, look, is that payback for birthing his child? Maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But let's, again, I'm a very rational, not emotional, not emotionally charged person. That's what we're doing right now. Gary Sheffield should not miss the Hall of Fame because his son exists. Let's, let's, come on, like. Correct. It's just fun. It's just, it's just fun. Right, like, the guy's gonna miss on, like, one or two votes. He's never been tested. Why is, where is the difference between Gary Sheffield and the guy like Ortiz? And Gary Sheffield has character issues, so you could argue that. That's, that's the argument. But that's not the argument they're using. You get what I'm saying? Like, I, like, I just, the argument they're using isn't, like, Andrew Jones is going to get in. So if Andrew Jones eventually gets in, you can't argue that Sheffield shouldn't because he has, what, the same amount of steroid implications like a David Ortiz, arguably was a better player than David Ortiz, and has the same amount of off-field issues as an Andrew Jones. Like, I just, they're not consistent. They don't, they're not held accountable. There's not like a committee that they, they sit in a room together. The NFL Hall of Fame, I think, does it the best because, sure, are they always right? No, but just like projection models, you'll never always get it right. There'll always be guys who should get in who don't get in. There'll always be guys who get in who shouldn't get in, right? Like, that's always going to happen. But the difference is, at least the NFL, they sit in a room together and talk. And I think that's important because it creates accountability. You can't just walk into a fucking meeting. It's so much easier to be an arrogant, stuck-up prick behind a camera. Or behind, behind a camera, behind a screen, and not have to confront any, have any backlash, right? It is so easy to say... Yeah, like that guy who didn't vote for Sheffield just threw a hit piece about how everybody's stupid and how he's so right. Like, go get a life. And then didn't he say he hadn't watched covered baseball since fucking 2018? Dude, I was in eighth grade in 2018. Max, I'm in a second year college student now. Come on. Like, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Spiel's over. Rant's over. Calm down. Got it out of my system. But these guys need to fucking go. Need to ban all of them. Get them the fuck out of the voting committee right now. ASAP. Reramp that now. I I think it's... I'm not going to add on to that. I just wanted to say he also said that he didn't think Billy Wagner was a Hall of Famer. And I think Billy Wagner, I would vote for Billy Wagner. Like, but I kind of get the idea of like a reliever outside of Mo is never worth it. I get that. Like, it's, I'm not going to say that that's bad logic because I, I understand. Like, I, I do. I do understand that inherently they are relievers. They cannot be as good. Like, am I voting for Bobby Abreu before I vote for Billy Wagner? Absolutely. Am I voting for Mark Burley and Andy Pettit before I vote for Billy Wagner? Absolutely. But I think as the game changes, you need to recognize the change with that. And so I vote for Billy Wagner because the game has evolved to Josh Hader got paid $19 million, $95 million. 
I mean, like the game, the teams clearly value um, relievers. So I feel we should do the same. And yeah. Wagner should be in the Hall of Fame because of that. Um, also, the average votes per ballot, I believe, have been 7.63. We have yeah. 10 spots, and there are more than 10 guys who deserve us. Like, got to up that number, number one. I think number two, again, we just need. To, I think we need a younger demographic of people voting for the Hall of Fame. We need people who are more in yeah, they got to get rid the, of that 10-year requirement. That's got to go. Or, or just like, again, like committee, like they have to come up with something because this sucks. You know what I mean? We, I know that this is not a baseball talking point. This is more of a political talking point, but like a general consensus that the, you know, young, more young people should vote. That's always been kind of like a, you know, because they're like, you know, we're voting, we're talking about issues that will affect that, you know, group of people. I get that. And, you know, I, I understand that I'm not asking for 18 year old writer. I'm not asking for my, someone like myself to have the ability to vote. That would be a disaster. Because I question the maturity of somebody my age, for sure. I question the maturity of somebody my age to not be a quote-unquote troll. I get that, you know? But have a committee. Either A, shrink the size of that committee, or B, have them get together, and you, they have to get together and meet in person. The voting process needs to happen in person, I believe. I know it's hard to do with COVID. I know. I get it. I really get it. But some sort of conference, maybe you can just, a Zoom meeting even, not even like an in-person thing, a Zoom meeting. Something where people can discuss and kind of get it out there and kind of have that conversation. I think it's important because, I mean, a lot of the bad, the, the reasons are just not good enough. If the reasons, every, there's no such thing as a wrong answer in most cases, if the reason is good enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there are, there are Hall of Fame voters that didn't think Adrian Belcher is a Hall of Famer. And not for reasons of, I was yeah, voting for that, 10 guys. That guy went on the podcast, like, he doesn't elevate the Hall of Fame. It's like, dude, the guy has 3,000 hits. 400 plus home runs, 90 he, career war. Like. He doesn't, he's like, oh, well, war doesn't matter. And Bell's the type of guy that shouldn't vote. Those are the kinds of guys that are, the, like, you would look at them and say, wow, that guy's an idiot. And they get to vote on the most prestigious honor. Like, I don't, I don't want to, I know that it's, I get it. Like, it's baseball and people are like, it's not real life. But I mean, come on. Like, it's it's still a job. Like, this was their life. Like, for athletes, they often talk about, like, the the experience of not being an athlete anymore after their career ends. It's hard. It's because that's your life. That's your routine for your entire life. You've been wake up, train, go to a game, practice, whatever it may be. They deserve to be alive, to be honored for the most prestigious and baseball's highest honor. We got to treat it as such, right? Like if that's what we want to market it as, that's what we got to treat it as, man. And we go to Hall of Fame. Like I've been there, dude. It is a magical experience. It is truly, it's really cool. Wonderful. Yeah. It is a great experience, and it's soiled not by the players. Not by how it's kept up. It's kept up beautifully. Not by the artifacts. Artifacts are gorgeous. Not by the exhibits. The exhibits are gorgeous. It's by the no good, lousy voters who continue to stink up the ballot every single year. Sure, they've gotten better, but they're not good enough. And I'm tired of not good enough being acceptable for the Hall of Fame. I want the best for the Hall of Fame. Not just the players, but the voters as well. Ban these voters. With that said, our, our, seam, our final seamship to take... Uh, Ryan, how many guys are getting in on Tuesday? I believe it'll be four. Do you I want agree. me to go off the guys? Do you want to leave that for so so Adrian Beltre, right? I mean, that's automatic. He's yes. getting in. Uh, Joe Mauer, correct, which is kind of crazy. First yeah. ballot, Joe I was, Mauer. I was, I thought it was, I was genuinely ballot. surprised. I thought he would get like in the 50s. In the I first, think that though. indicates Yadier Molina will get in uh, for sure. It's yeah, a good for first ballot. It's, he will... it's good for Molina and Mauer. And, and Posey. Uh, sorry, and Posey. Sorry, yeah, Posey those are, they're, yes. especially, I think Posey just, might even more because of the peak. Because Mauer, yeah. you could say, well, Molina isn't a peak guy, 
Yeah, Molina's a longevity guy. Right, but he's a corpse. But Posey's peak is arguably the best of any catcher right. ever. I mean, Posey's getting in first ballot. He might be a 90% guy, honestly. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a good sign for Posey. Um, Todd Helton will get in. I know that the plus minus isn't really in his favor. He's actually only, I think, plus one right now. But he's like 10 for 10 or 11 for... He picked up a lot of first-time votes. And so just through like being plus one and all the first-time voters he's gotten... Assuming he doesn't drop, he'll be fine. He'll get in. It'll be close, but it'll get in. Uh, Wagner, it, I mean, it's flip a coin. Like, it's really going to be really close for Billy Wagner. But I do think he gets there. Um, I think, and here's the thing is, I mean, for next year, I, I need four guys to get in because the ballot next year is crazy crowded with, like, fringe guys. Like, yes, you have CC Sabathia and Ichiro Suzuki, who I would consider are probably going to be first ballot Hall of Famers. Um, but you also have Brian McCann, uh, Russell Martin, Troy Tulowitzki, Dustin Madroya, Ian Kinsler, Felix Hernandez. Like, dude, Ben Zobris. Like, those are guys who are all going to probably fall off, and a couple of them probably shouldn't. Yeah. Also, like, Utley is not getting in, which is just like a disgrace. He, he's at 40 something percent is admittedly much better than what I thought he'd be at. He's probably going to end roughly around there as well. Um, I think it's disgraceful. Should be a he, he should, he'll, he'll, he'll get in eventually. It, like he's doing well enough for me to say he'll get in eventually. Right. But I guess my point more so is like, I, I and this is a dark thing to talk about, but we don't know when, like you don't know how long a guy will be around for. Yeah, you hope, you hope he's alive. Just, I'm just saying, like, it's you, stupid. Just let him get in. You, God, you hope, let him live for it. You hope to avoid um, situations with Dick Allen, like, that he passes he's and orders, can't see him. Can't these writers are heartless. Like, that's heartless, dude. That's a heartless, like, yeah, it's I mean, It's disgusting, but, and it's deplorable. The, the take for – the worst take of the week that I, that I saw um, – this week and there were there were a plenty um believe me there were a lot of really bad ones does my pasta take it to qualify is does it did it hit the no because you've already yeah you've already done you know enough with that pasta take i'm sorry it's not it's not new anymore (laughs) you know like it's it's just it's not the same but um i can't remember i gotta go find it real quick um it was oh okay so when Josh Hader signed, there were some Yankee fans who said, like, oh, you know, the Yankees should have done that and everything like that. Not going to get into why the Yankees shouldn't have done it and everything. It's a conversation for another time. But basically, the take was um, that the Yankees are incompetent and haven't done anything right with the bullpen in the last, since Mo retired. I mean, it's just, like, objectively not true. It's the worst take of the week because it's like provably false. It's the uh, take that wins the home runs don't impress me as a pure hitter award <laughs> or don't impress me. Doubles are more impressive as a pure hitter because they're just flying walls and walls and everything. Yeah, I don't. We got to come up with a better name for that, but it's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it wins because it's just a, objectively wrong. It's, um, it's certainly one of the t- 
That's a they had the lowest bullpen ERA last year. M- yeah, I- ERA is not great on a team side, it's actually pretty valid though, because like it's a lot of innings. And they were listen, they were first in ground ball rate, they were first in like hard contact allowed or hard hit rate. Like, yeah, they don't punch out a ton of dudes and they walk a decent amount, but they get so much weak contact on the ground that it doesn't matter. Their ERA makes sense. They're a great unit, and they've Brian Cashman, you this may is, have issues. You're gonna with. laugh at this. Mariano Rivera retired after 2013 season. The New York Yankees lead all of baseball in Fangraphs War since he retired out of their bullpen. Again, uh, it's just an objectively false take. Like it was, I didn't. I think it got deleted because I can't find it. Second best it, ERA minus, best WAR. Second, uh, third best. Oh, it's tied for the second best skill interactive ERA. Best strikeout rate. Let's see, win probability added. Best win probability added. It did get that take did make me go on a binge of the DMC. Uh, oh, what a good dude, one. dude! That led to that tweet uh, about them. Oh my god, dude. dude! Man, it's so sad they didn't get a longer run together. But like, I just oh want to. I know that Miller Miller was great. I want to. You know, I'm not gonna really like Chapman. Sure, he's great, but like, I don't really care to mention that he's great. Um, but. Del man. Del was special. Like, Del Batances, I, it's so sad that I feel like the consensus, it was always the complaining about the command. And, and this is what kind of gets me about, like, with any, like, great player. The player's objectively just really good. We don't need to, like, not that we don't need to talk about their flaws, but we don't need to sit here and complain about everything they do wrong. Like, I just, maybe I was wrong because I wasn't really on social media and I was just kind of listening to the radio. That's kind of how, how I got perceptions of players. But it never really felt like Del Botanis got the love he he definitely deserved. You know what I mean? Um, he was like unbelievably great as a reliever. New York guy too. Like he he went to Grand Street, which fun fact, if you guys are not familiar with the PSAL scene, which is New York baseball for public high schools, they beat the crap out of everybody in our division. We could not beat them. Um, I will not reveal my high school on this podcast. Uh, though I'm pretty sure I've tweeted or re- re- referenced it before. But, like, I don't know. Like, Dylan was just fucking awesome, dude. Like, he was just sick. He was so – he struck out just everybody. He used to throw, like, 80, 90 innings a year. He was so cool. I loved him so much. And I'm so sad that his career didn't get to end the way that it should have. Which, like, not even as a Yankee, but, like – Just in general. He, I honestly wish he did really well with the Mets. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I wish he did. We're going to end it on this note. In 2016 – Aroldis Chapman, Dylan Matanzas, and Andrew Miller combined for 127 innings pitched, a 1.98 ERA, a 1.62 FIP, a 1.57 XFIP, a 42.9 strikeout percentage, a 6.1 walk percentage, a 36.7 strikeout minus walk rate, a 1.55 skills interactive ERA, 49% ground ball rate, and 5.7 F4. Ryan, times were special with those three, man. Like, Oh my God. So you know what you're good. not ready for? You're not yeah. ready for when you're not ready for when uh, and it will be it will be Luis Heal who is the like the guy who they develop internally and do this with. It's you're not ready for when Luis Heal, Jonathan Lewise is gonna clay Holmes run it back. You're not ready for that. It's gonna that, be a special era. That'd be that'd be it sick. Will be special. Uh Ryan, thank you very much for joining me tonight. Uh always a lot of fun to talk to you about baseball. Hopefully, hopefully we're right with the Boris clients. Hopefully they end up at the spots that we say. Um, hopefully they just sign at this point just for something, you know, a little bit of a little bit of flavor in the offseason uh, to get us going and everything. Uh, to our listeners, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you very much for listening. 
Have a good rest of your week and we will see you soon.